Welcome to the show. Yes, this week's guest on the show was the 2001 Male Vocalist of the Year at the CCMAs. He wears many hats and uh, he will be serving as the uh, co-host at the Country Music Association of Ontario Awards this October. He's a terrific singer. He's a great songwriter. He is, in fact, a road hammer. Let's say hey to Jason McCoy. How's it going, buddy? It's going pretty good yourselves. Doing all right. We're hanging in there. It's week whatever of uh, self-isolation. Bit of a drag. I don't even know what day <laughs> it is. Hanging in, hanging out, and hanging on. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that sounds like a country song. <laughs> it was. It was. That's an old one. That, you weren't even born yet, though. Don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. You should play it for me sometime. <laughs> yeah, sure. Come on down to Shady Acres. I'll play it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, congratulations again, uh, Country Music Association of Ontario co-host. You 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 are uh, co-hosting with Jennifer Campbell this uh, year in October, so that's going to be pretty sweet. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So uh, yeah, she's, she's great. Uh, you know, the whole organization's awesome, as you guys know. And uh, Pearl, who runs the show behind the scenes, there is just uh, works tirelessly. So yeah, it's going to be good. I mean, Ontario Country's. Like literally, I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but never been stronger, and it's uh, it's awesome. And uh, you've been the host of this for how many years now? <laughs> I feel like you've are, you've been the only. A host. lot of people are saying too many years, but uh, it, <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, five, maybe something like that. But it's been fun. I mean, I don't know how much longer they'll want me to do it, but I'll do it as, as often as they want. And, uh, if they uh, bring new blood in to do it, that's cool too. But, uh, you know, it's just fun to be part of it in the whole scene, right? Absolutely. Well, I, it is a great organization and uh, I'm happy to be a member as well. So uh, we'll yeah. definitely, we'll see you October 4th for sure. But you bet, you bet. we want to talk about your uh, very cool project that you've got on the go. Uh, we are one. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the brainchild behind that? Yeah, well, uh, so Jim Payetta, you know, this is a very cool there and we wrote uh, a few songs together over the years. He, he was a musician, then he got into business, and then he, uh, you know, he's always a musician at heart. So we started writing songs a couple years ago. We wrote Zamboni for the Hammers last year. Um, and then as this whole thing hit, he said, we should write a song and just, you know, kind of, you know, just kind of help unite people as they're all isolated. And the thing that we're talking about was, you know, the thing that's keeping us apart is actually in some ways, I guess, a little closer together. So I came up with the title, We Are One. And we thought, well, what if we give away the tracks and ask people to make their own versions? So we put up weareoneworld.net. The one is a numeral. And on the website, um, people can actually download the backtracks and sing along with that, right? Yes, you and Scotty can actually download the backing tracks and make your own song. I think that would be great. <laughs> uh, fun fact about Amy, I am in fact tone deaf, but hey, I'd give it a shot. It never stopped me. I started a band called The Roadhammers to cover it up. Yeah. <laughs> but the bottom line is post it on your socials and then hashtag us at we are one world song, and that's the numeral again. The, the idea is to get as many people singing it in as many languages and as many countries around the world because all of the royalties are uh, being donated to the COVID-19 relief efforts through either uh, the Red Cross or Unison. No, that's really amazing. And, you know, that it's so true. I mean, music unifies us always anyways. And so the fact that, you know, people are in their homes and that they can be a part of this uh, project personally is uh, pretty darn cool. It's really been amazing. Like, we've had people... Like, I had a guy uh, remix it in China. I had somebody in, uh, a woman in the Ukraine to send a 
version on a piano. Uh, like it's amazing. And the, the way the whole thing started was we asked uh, artists and musicians from all around the world to record on it. And then we put it all together into a video and in, in the studio, of course. Uh, we had the Harlem Gospel Choir record it in isolation from New York. Uh, we had uh, Jessica Falk, who's a piano player from Sweden, and she sang on it as well. And Haley Jensen, who's from The Voice in Australia, uh, and then people from Nashville and LA. It's been it's been amazing. So now we're getting other people's versions, and they're kind of from all over the world as well. It's you know I, you always hear these things like you know music unites us, and maybe I'm a little cynical. I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, it's actually proving me wrong and mm-hmm. in, in a great way that's pretty cool to be this deep into a career and still being surprised by some things hey actually that, that's true that's it's a really good observation like you get cynical right like you know and, and now being able to be in, in radio i mean it's you're seeing several sides of the microphone you know mm-hmm. and uh the business sometimes can creep in and you guys know this like you, you hear the you, you hear all the business wheels turning behind the scenes and it kind of can take the shine off the music but uh, something like this kind of just brings it right back. And it's mm-hmm. it's pretty amazing. Well, and it's very cool because it did become the uh, number one most downloaded song at Country Radio. So that's really cool. Yeah, I was surprised at that uh, for one. And then the video on YouTube's got, I think, close to 30,000 views already. Uh, so we're, we're happy with all that response. The, the thing that we really want is is all those people doing their own versions and, and sharing in our sign campaign too. So we just started our challenges this past week. We're asking other musicians uh, to participate, doing their own versions. Uh, and then we're also starting our sign campaign, asking anyone to just hold up a sign, you know, what town or city they're in, their country, and then hashtag we are one world song. And that is the numeral again. So as people are posting their own versions, are you planning to do a, a, a remix of this song or... Well, we, we post them on, so we ask them to hashtag it on YouTube or Instagram or anything, and then we repost it on our sites. Uh, that's that's one way to kind of, you know, let people know what's going on out there. We are starting to gather and download different versions. I think we're going to cut them all together into like a montage. Cool. Um, and we're also getting videos in from people around the world just kind of singing and dancing to the tune. Might be another version. So uh, we've also talked about doing a pop version with uh, some pop artists, mm-hmm. uh who knows? I mean, wherever it'll go, it'll go. But that's kind of the beauty of this thing. You hear people saying, oh, I released this song just to send it around the world and see where it goes. And, and uh, I guess that's kind of what we're doing. I would be all over a uh, TikTok uh, we are one world song a challenge. Just saying. So what would that what would that look like? Because we were actually talking about that. My daughter's the only one in the house who understands. Well, her and my son understand TikTok. I I don't. But what would that look like? You tell me, and we'll do it. Because I think that would be a lot of fun. It's a yeah. It's so it's a it's a you'd make a like a choreographed number to the song, and then you challenge other people to do that with their families, and then it kind of snowballs so, from there. Okay. So uh. dance. The dance version. Dance version, exactly. I like it. Yeah, just putting okay. it out there. See, Gracie's already uh, one step ahead of us here. Love it. Yeah, uh, love it. We're looking for a social media manager if uh, <laughs> if she's looking for a gig. <laughs> yeah, I, I am too, and she won't do a thing for her dad, so forget it. Uh, I've been very amused lately on the Road Hammers Instagram TV, what you guys have been doing. <laughs> Whose idea was that? Uh, well, we did that a couple of years ago when we released uh, I've Been Everywhere, and it just seemed fitting. It's called The Road Hammers Go Everywhere. That's the name of what it was. And since we can't go anywhere right now, might as well go everywhere with The Road Hammers. And so that was, uh, you know what? We had a, we did the video for I've Been Everywhere, and we had Sean Smith for an extra day. That was all shot in one day. 
Um, it's a whole, well, not all of it. We shot a bit of it on a tour too, but all the, all the goofy stuff in character that was all shot in one day around Edmonton. And, um, we just went around and just kind of improvised everything. It was just being idiots for a day. It was fun. Your uh, uh, greasy car salesman <laughs> act was fantastic. <laughs> I got to say that's, uh, everything else you see as an act, that's the real me. So, you know, uh, but yeah, I, I, uh, I had such a great time and Clay's, uh, Clay's intense house of his training house is awesome. And then uh, Chris Burns baby uh, Burns baby bunker uh, daycare. Yep. It's uh, it's all wacky. So go to Instagram TV on our uh, Roadhammers Instagram and it's it's fun. Do you think that after this self isolation is over and life gets back to normal, we're going to have the same content that has been put out there? Uh, you know, the, with artists that are um, Instagram living, yeah. Facebook living. What do you think about that? Yeah, right. Yeah, like as I was thinking that too, like. You know, it seems like everybody now is a, a professional meme generator and and an Instagram host. You know, like it just it's just exploded. I guess creative minds when they're sitting idle, they do stuff, right? I don't know. Like I've kind of actually, I know it sounds crazy because we put this song out there, but I kind of the other way. Like I kind of don't want to get on the net now because everybody's there and they're all all doing the stuff. I'm kind of like, yeah. So if that's if, if that's your you know, your mentality, then what's your next move? I don't know. I probably <laughs> use Colorado sales. Like yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Plus, I'm also no, not like a young cat. Like you know, it seems like a lot of the younger people are, are more doing that kind of thing. And I don't know. I got I got my wife and a couple of kids. So when I got got time, I like to try to. I'm not doing a very good job of it, but shut the phone off and and uh, not be part of that but with this we are one campaign it's it's uh it's fun to see what's going on so i'm trying to be on there as much as i can to to give shout outs and challenges and things like that but my my next move you know i don't really know like uh i love being a radio i mean i'm and i come to radio in a different way like i mean uh you know amy's been you know gone through broadcast school and gone all through all these things so i feel really guilty that i've been able to join the radio team uh, not having done that i guess my schooling was on the other side of the mic in a different way mm-hmm. But um, I really like that, and I I get used to the routine of having weekends, of having uh, you know a life outside of music, which has always been project dependent. You know, it's like farming; you're just running around putting seeds in the ground and hoping they get a good crop, right? It's it's kind of a a free range chicken thing. Being in in radio, so you're still in the business, but it's it's more you get to be at home every night, right? Mm-hmm. But you're still you're still part of it. Do you find because you do wear different hats, being that you are you are musician Jason McCoy and you are radio host Jason McCoy, do you find that especially when you're speaking to other artists that it's uh, kind of feels weird because <laughs> you're usually yeah, on the other yeah, side yeah, of the yeah, mic? Sure, well, that, that's the word for it. You know, I talked to Tim Hicks the other day and he answers. You know, a lot of his questions were like, "Well, Jason, as you know, or or well, Jason, you know this." We, you know, it's like, no, I don't, because that's that's his career, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the hardest part I have is not not interfacing with the artists per se. It's the rest of the industry, like agents and managers. Like they know me as an artist. So when you know, Amy, when you call and you're you're pursuing an interview or things like that, of course you're a conduit to to the media. So they they know exactly what's going on. And when I call them, it's kind of like like I know you're in radio, but is, are you looking for like a gig too? Or you know? yeah, right. <laughs> like, no, man. Like I, I don't need a record deal. I just you don't know, want to talk to your artist. But it's uh, it is a little different, and um, I don't know if it's good or bad. It's just what it is. But um, you know, it's a certain stage of life where maybe this is a like I've always really enjoyed. 
I've, I love radio. Like I love, I love broadcasting and TV and all those things. It's when I was a kid, I always thought, you know, radios were radio stations were like the coolest things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you're kind of the, the hub of, of what's going on. And, and I mean, well, to, to quote, artists that i've i've uh i've interviewed amy you know uh <laughs> that it's you know it's just that it's being in the mix and um i, I didn't pay attention to the news in as great a detail mm-hmm. before radio did you, do you find that too like when you're when you're on holiday or something you've been in radio your whole life Amy. but when you have time off maybe you let the news slip by but when you're in radio you know working you you have to pay attention to it and it, it helps I guess in a way. Totally. And I, I actually worked in talk radio at the beginning of my career before I got into country radio and then eventually into the, the labels and management stuff. Right, right, right. And, and I, you know, working in talk radio, it's even one step further, right? Because you, you're doing nothing but talk about the issues. Yeah. So you have no yeah, choice but to, be, but to be just consistently up on stuff. And um, it's, it's been a steady decline since then, man. I have Well, that's wild because I, I, I'm supposed to be up on stuff and I've got like, I'm all butter and no salt. Zero content, man. I just got, you know, <laughs> fart jokes and stuff like that. But Carrie's got all the, uh, all the uh, information. I just kind of react to it, you know, like, like a plant in sunlight. I don't have any, I just go where the, the, the shiny object is. Right. But, um, but you know, I, but I do keep up on events more. I'm just all kidding aside. Like, I mean, it, it does force you to, to know a little more detail and that's good i i really i guess i've always been here in the community and i i grew up here but but having then i moved to nashville and then i've always been on the road so i've never been really rooted so living in nashville and then being on the road you just not part of community events and knowing who's doing what uh being in radio you actually you get to interview the mayors and the mm-hmm. uh the councillors and reeves and stuff so you know what's going on you know what the um yeah, I don't know. I guess you know what the local events are. You know, now I know when the uh, you know really a perch festival is. When before I, I had no idea. I just knew what happened. <laughs> right. Um, and I really like that. It's kind of music's like for me anyway. Some people handle it better, but it's kind of like you're always going to the next project, and you just kind of let life pass by because everything's you know music's more important than everything. Right. And it's not true. And I think. I think this gives me uh, a life. Have you thought about getting into radio management at all, like a uh, music director or program director? No, I never <laughs> gave it. A, no, I never gave it a thought. I, you know, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that I'd be very good at it. Um, I have personal preferences that I don't know. I could be, you know, not not partial. I don't know if I could. Uh, I guess I could, but I, I just never. I've never thought of it. I was thinking on the way here that it would be cool to have someone with your experience in the music director seat and the perspective that you would bring to the music director office, I think would be, would be pretty cool. I guess, but I mean, you know, we're all like, whether you're a musician or not, you got your preferences, right? Like I'm a musician, I can play different styles, but uh, you know what? I guess I could do it because like the road hammers, all I ever wanted to be when I was a kid was Randy Travis and the road hammers right. are as far away from that as you can get. Right. But it's another side of something I could like, like it's still part of the wheelhouse of music. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is if it was left to me, I'll, if I, if I program the radio station, it'd all be 1980s Merle Haggard. Mm-hmm. Um, Can we just do that now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's called Spotify, but I mean, um, 
you know what I mean? Like that's all well and good, but I don't, uh, and I, I guess that comes back to the, the reason, one of the things I like about my position is I don't have, I'm not involved in the politics at all. Right. And if, if I had to deal with, you know, labels calling me to put pressure on certain rotations and things like, I, I don't think I'd be into that. That's I, fair. It feels like as an artist, your whole life is being a moth trying to get into a window. You know, mm-hmm. you're just always banging yourself into the window and eventually you get through the screen, I guess. But it's it's different like you know there's it's just a different world i mean when you have a hit like you can't you can't fail right and when you when you have songs you're just promoting and they're not necessarily hits they're in there with everybody else and that's you know what i mean there's hits and then there's there's good songs and there's great songs and there's very few great ones and i've been fortunate to be part of a couple of both but um that's there's no politics when it comes to great songs right but if you're the music director, you probably got a stack of good songs that everybody's asking you to play. <laughs> so here's a question. As a Jason McCoy fan, I, I feel like there's a bunch of great songs in your catalog. But as Jason McCoy, looking back over, uh, what is it, a 20-plus year career, what's the standout song for you? Uh, well, it depends for different reasons, right? Like, sure. I mean, um, you know, this this will sound self-depreciating, uh, and it's, it's, it's not meant to be. But, like, I'm not... I'm not a singer's singer. I'm not a guitar player's guitar player. Like I'm just, I'm pretty journeyman about the whole thing, right? But I think there's a few standouts for me. Like one of them is is Rocket Girl, the Doc Walker cut, and mm-hmm. and I really like that because I didn't think about it at all. It just rolled out. And same as We Are One, I think this is a standout for me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the songs that flow the quickest seem to be the ones that stick with me the best. Um, and you know what? I think also, um, like, it may not seem deep, but, you know, the song Mud, I really like it because it's, um, it's just fun. It's not thinking, you know. There's nothing deep or cerebral about it. I I don't really have the one yet, though. Um, like, I'm, I've am i always wanted to be, like I said, Merle Haggard or Randy Travis, and there's some really deep-thinking songs in there, and I just don't – I haven't had that yet. And um, I don't know if I ever will. It's not a problem, but I just don't know that – I just don't know that I've nailed that kind of thing. It's not maybe me, but um, I don't know, still working on it. Is that what uh, keeps your foot on the gas, you know, waiting for that next, that next big one? I think so. I think maybe, uh, maybe there's a bit of that. I don't, I don't, some guys can sit there and just deliver on demand, you know, and sometimes I can do that. I get in a season where I can, I can write songs and make that happen. And, um, but it's, it, it's when I was in Nashville, I was writing every day, mm-hmm. all day. And I think what that does is you, you don't, you very rarely write a great song doing that. But when you do, you've worked hard enough on the machine and on the treadmill that when you get a great idea, you uh, know how to execute it. Yeah, you have the tools, right? And I find that uh, when I've, I, well, since being a radio, I got a little, you know, a little um, out of shape. But, um, you know, every once in a while, like something like we are one, when you get super inspired, like it's like muscle memory, all this stuff comes back. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, as far as the next thing, I have no idea what it'll be. How much are you writing these days? Not much at all. Uh, I'd love to write more, but just not a lot of time. Wearing that radio hat strong. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm so tired. Like morning radio is freaking early, man. Yeah. So what's a normal day like for Jason McCoy right now? Well, I uh, get up at about 3.30. Uh, I'm at station at 4.45. 
we're on air from 5.30 till 10, and I wake up around 9. <laughs> and then, uh, there till, I guess, 11, and then I'm home. Pretend I'm going to nap till about 1, but I don't. And then I get up and I'm grumpy all day, and then I go to bed at 7.30 or 8. And you do it all again. <laughs> Tureen's a lucky lady. <laughs> He's like Prince Charming. <laughs> I know it's Prince Charming. It's uh, it's entirely different, and it's it's exhausting too because if you are out on tour and you've got those late nights and those festivals that are physically exhausting, and then you've got to be back into you know your regular job, it's not easy. But you do it well. I don't. You know what, Carrie? But Carrie and Shereen, who are you know the ones who have to put up with me the most, are are the ones who uh, do a good job because. Last summer, I bit off more than I could chew with a lot of hammer dates and stuff. By August, I was just ready to, just ready to collapse. It was too much. Like we're going out. Sometimes we leave on a, uh, I I get out early on a Friday and go to the airport. We play Friday night and Saturday night, and you get home late on Sunday, and you're just a basket case on Monday. And then you never sleep right all week. And then by Wednesday or Thursday, you're just getting back to normal, and then you're done again for the weekend. So you do that all summer. I had two weekends off last summer. That was it. And uh, it was too much. So I got to dial it back this year with everything that's going on. I mean, it sucks that we're not touring at all, but um, it's kind of neat. I'm experiencing a spring and maybe the first part we're at home. Let's rewind a little bit. Let's go back to the beginning of, of your career, Jason. How did you come up? When did you decide that you wanted to do this for a living? And then how did you start making that happen? Well, I, I was about 12 years old, started playing guitar and my dad loved country music. And I just thought that, you know, the way he looked up to Johnny Cash and all those cats was like, oh, wow, this is great. I want to be one of those guys. And then I fell in love with the music side of it just because of what it was. And um, I started writing songs when I was a kid, like 12, 13, 14. I uh, just had a kind of creative mind. And then when I was 16 years old, my uncle, Barry, he, he uh, Barry Brooks, he played uh, in bands his whole life. And he used to play up at dance hall here in Ant Mills. I used to go to the Pinecrest. I used to ride my bicycle up there on Saturday nights. I couldn't go in, but I'd listen behind, you know, and, and listen to the band. Anyway, he knew I loved music, and he said, oh, I saw an ad, this band up in Midlands looking for a guitar player. So I went up, and I started in these local bands, and I realized, you know, I could make cash and, and play music on the weekends, and that was my job. I loved it. Then I got, got working at Molson when the plant was in Barrie, and I was there about a month one summer, uh, just, just this probably grade 12. And, um, there's an ad for a guitar player must be willing to travel immediately. So I was going to go back to, you know, finish. I had some grade 13, I think at the time, actually, I was going to go back and finish, but I went down to Toronto auditioned for this road band and, and then took off from there. My first gig was in Calgary and that was it. I forgot to quit after that. So that's it. And then at what point did you start making records? Uh, well, I'd made a record when I was 17, went to Nashville, and a guy named Ray Griff uh, produced it. And that was an independent thing. And then uh, after that, I you know, was on the road with a couple of bands across Canada just playing clubs and stuff. But then I was probably 21, 20, 21 when I went and recorded a couple of demos in Nashville and um, hooked up with a guy named Scott Baggett, who's produced most of my stuff and also most of all the Hammer stuff. And uh, next thing you know, we're, you know, years into that. And it's just been uh, been really good. Well, I think that I probably got to know a lot of your music, I would say, from your Honky Tonk Sonatas days. A while ago. That was 2000 that came out? Yeah, the 2001 was uh, Sin and Angels. So it was just after that, right? Who knows? <laughs> uh, I really like the, uh, I don't know, I really like the whole... Um, 
you know, looking back at the things, like you, you see things that were a big deal at the time, like Hockey Tonks and Odd, as I remember, I was having vocal problems and we were recording that. And it was just like the end of the world, right? And then you, you look back, it's like, you know what? Like, it came out pretty good, you know? <laughs> um, that that album was produced by my friend Odie Blackman, who uh, he was my first friend in Nashville. And um, he went on to write a whole pile of songs for Gary Allen. And that's how Gary Allen came to be on that record, too. But, um, yeah, he, he wrote She'll Leave You With a Smile for George Straits. That was George's mm-hmm. 50th number one, like, talk about great. He wrote Nothing On But The Radio. He wrote uh, Hate Myself In The Morning for Leanne Womack. So he's uh, he's a brilliant writer. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a good musical album. I really enjoyed it. Are there some writers in particular who uh, you just really jive with that, you know, you've uh, written with, you know, more than just a couple times? Uh, I'm a bit of a bully when it comes to writing. Like sometimes I do really well with people who aren't even, aren't established writers. I like, I don't sometimes do well with big hit writers because I, I think a lot of people attest to this because you get in the room with them and then you don't really want to share ideas or you're like hey man let's do this and they're like nah and you're like yeah that sucks <laughs> <laughs> you know? and it's just a confidence thing you think after all these years that these years it wouldn't be a problem but it still is there um sometimes uh you know what uh tom shepherd i wrote uh she's good for me and i'd rather be happy than write with him he wrote redneck yacht club and stuff He's he's a really successful songwriter, but he's got uh, there's no you know there's no ego about him. He's just uh, he's a good cheerleader. And uh, Jeffrey Steele is a he's in everything on radio, and you'd think he'd be you know kind of chest out all the time. Mm-hmm. He's he's like the biggest cheerleader, and I love writing with him because it, it's almost the other way. It's like you know, hey Jeff, how's it going? Man, that's awesome the way you say that. <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, that's even better. It's like I don't know what you're doing. You know. <laughs> You're just magic, kid. Go with it, you know. But it, it it really helps the atmosphere, whether we use your lines or his lines. It doesn't matter. It helps the atmosphere of the song, and that's and that's one thing I've learned. Like I've I kind of default to the glass half full all the time. Mm-hmm. But when I get around people like that, I'm reminded that that's the secret ingredient, and that's probably the key for life too, right? Is to be positive. So two questions. Uh, one, you mentioned sort of being in the room with hit writers and new writers. Do you prefer being? Uh, the the big brain in the room or the little brain in the room well i'm always a little brain but sometimes i'm the uh the louder mouth um <laughs> i find that i find that uh if you know what it really depends on the idea you know like you've you've written lots of songs you know the deal where you get into uh you get on a great vein and it doesn't matter who's involved right like i've written some great songs with uh uh you know folks who've never written songs like clay and chris like they when they joined the Hammers, they had not had no radio success, and you know they both get writers in their own right. And uh, when we started out, like we were writing stuff all the time, and uh, it was just more about the energy, right? It right. wasn't it wasn't whether they'd had songs in radio or not; it's just the energy. That, that's really I've learned that that's that's what it is. Yep. Let's talk about the Road Hammers for a minute. Uh, how did you uh, get uh, hooked up with Clay and Chris? Uh, well, Chris was in my band, and I'd known about Clay on the circuit for a while, and uh, it was after Sins, Lies, and Angels, actually. I didn't know what to do for... So Honky Tonk Sonatas must have been before that. I can't remember. But Sins, Lies, and Angels, I didn't know what to do after that, so I was talking to Ted Ellis at CMT, and I said, I want to do a... We were just talking to CCMAs or something. I said, uh, I'd love to do, like, a Trucker's Classic album. And he said, well, we'd love to, you know, kind of do a documentary on the making of that. Like, a, And I said, well, what if we did, like, a 
all-star band, kind of a traveling Wilbury, for sure. And so I said, well, let's put together a band and have auditions. And so we auditioned a lot of people. And it wasn't it wasn't like the deck was stacked at all because we did audition people. But I kind of just settled on, like, Clay brought in Corbett, our original drummer, and all that. It just kind of happened naturally. But it worked really well on, on film, and, and the rest is history. Were, was that supposed to be a one-and-done project? Or did you anticipate? Yep. Yeah? Yep. Okay. That was it. it was supposed to be like six months. Let's see where it goes. <laughs> wow. And here you are. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned Jeff Steele a minute ago, and you guys wrote Mud together, right? Yep. So I got to know how Mud came together, because it's just such an off-the-wall song. And it, it turned into, I was actually working for uh, your record label at that time, promoting that single to radio. And yeah. I just, it was it was really interesting to watch uh, from an industry standpoint, to watch the reaction to a song like that. So I want to know uh, how that song came to be. What was the the energy like in that room? How did Mud come into into being? Well, it, like a lot of these things you hear, it wasn't supposed to. And um, so uh, we were at Jeff Steele's place, and he's got a little room upstairs in this this uh, house of his, and it's, um, it's a studio. And... Uh, didn't we've tried working on a song like all evening he starts late eh? most songwriters say oh i'll meet you at 10 you think it's 10 a.m for him mm -hmm. it's 10 p.m so we started like 6 p.m we did this and had a late dinner ah, it's not working and then and then we were driving back from dinner and we heard brad paisley's uh water and um and we we're just thinking like going through all the elements like fire and all that kind of stuff and i said oh somebody should write a song about mud because you know my kids <laughs> love to play <laughs> it's like and then he's just goofed around and we had the tape rolling and and we had a little loop up from earlier. It was this boom, chicka, chicka, boom, chicka, and he goes mud, <laughs> you know. And that was it. And then, and then I just kind of started, I, you know, for lack of a better term, started rapping and laying out the what the verses would be. And and probably the acoustic guitar and the slide guitar, the mud and the verses, the first and second verse were not sung after the fact. That was sung that night. So most of the time, you come up with a demo and you sing it again you know yeah but that was those uh most of the vocals and that were actually just just from being a, a jerk that night and just drinking too much coffee no kidding i just so yeah. cool to hear about how songs are just come together it just can be completely random you know yeah sometimes and then other ones get you know they belabored like i mean mm -hmm. uh like born again in dixieland was a was the most painful birth of a song ever like uh we wrote it and uh, i only had the verse and chorus done i was on the uh, like a, a call with the label back home. We were going in the studio in Nashville the next day and I played it for them. They thought it was great. And they said, is it done? I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. So it wasn't. So we went in the studio and I just hummed through the rest of it and pretended what a bridge would be. And, and then we had to write it and like, a you know, made sure it was done in a week. And it was just a lot of pressure. I was young and, and just bit off more than we could chew. But it, so that wasn't a fun one, but now playing it's great because we still get reaction after all these years. It's pretty amazing. Right on, dude. Well, let's uh, let's move on to a game we like to call Turn Us On. And this is where we ask you to turn us on to something you've discovered recently uh, that you can't live without. The TV show, a book, a song, an artist. Some kind of disinfectant, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm the wrong guy to talk about. I got nothing cool. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's they, have you discovered House Party? I'm like still, I'm like a FaceTime Zoom guy. Oh, all right. Carrie, okay. Carrie's all about House Party and stuff. Well, yeah, it's um, FaceTime, but with trivia. I know. I was on with my girlfriends last night for like three hours. My family hated me. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. Yeah. It was good. 
You know what? Okay, Dirk Bentley and Hot Country Nights. I think that's the best. Yes, yes. it's uh, like a little side project that's uh, that's just cool, and he gets requests from people to you know like uh, they get. If people were you going to the show excited that the Hot Country Nights were opening for <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Okay, I love it. So with that single, have you heard the radio edit and the extended version? Nope. Okay, you got to do yourself a favor and go on uh, on Spotify and listen to the extended version. It's a it's a band playout, and uh, All right. listen to that solo, and then text me what you think of it. All right. I'm sure it'll be off the hook. All right. Okay, Jason, um, well, let's uh, play a couple of quick games here. First of all, it's okay. called Five Things, so don't think too hard on it. Just answer as quickly as possible. Song okay. you wish you wrote. Oh, Natural High, Merle Haggard. Ooh, nice. If you could tour with anyone dead or alive, who would that be? Probably somebody alive. Way more exciting. <laughs> Merle Haggard. Uh, stage that you've always wanted to play and haven't yet. Stage I've always wanted to play and haven't yet. Hmm. Oh, uh, Austin City Limit. Oh, nice. Cool. Have you played the Opry? Yep. What was that like for you? Standing in the circle. It was pretty cool. Unreal. Uh, what's the weirdest thing, and, and being a road hammer, you must have seen some stuff. What's the weirdest thing that you've seen from stage? <laughs> <clears throat> well, I saw, saw some... Uh, so a, a mighty amorous couple at one point at a festival. <laughs> I, I believe. I believe uh, maybe nine months after that, there there may have been a a, a new hammer fan. <laughs> uh, amorous behavior at festivals. Um, yeah, well, no it was usually it was just like amorous behavior. This is like amorous. Behavior. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thing that you would most want to be remembered for. Uh, finally, getting it right. <laughs> life ah. that is just being a good dad and husband and right now it's just it's just always a moving target I like answer. It. all right one more game for you this is called lyric or lie this you is, know this one jason this is amy's yep. specialty it's Great. either a lyric or it's a lie number one okay. a good time girl just looking for a thrill lie it is a lie she's sweet like wine and burns like whiskey lyric that is a lie Okay, good one. You should write that. We're gonna we're going to Nashville. Jason. <laughs> All right. Do you ever lie awake at night staring at a lonely sky? No idea. I think it's a lie. That is a lyric. Reclaws. Uh, I do too. Oh. Oh. Okay. Right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Lay your best pickup line on me. I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking. Oh, if it's a song okay. Lyric right. or not. <laughs> no idea. I'd say it's a lyric. Megan Patrick. Yep, that's uh, right, things I shouldn't say. Go. All right, one more. When it feels like it's about to rain, that's when I think of you. Lyric. It's a lie. Well, go write that thing. What are you doing <laughs> talking to me? Go write some songs. Jason McCoy, it's been an utter privilege to be speaking with you. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time. And once all of this is over, we are uh, stoked to see you back out on the road. But in the meantime, we can catch you on the radio. Pure Country you 106. Bet. Right on. Look forward to seeing you guys in person. Thank you very much, guys. Okay, Thanks, brother. Bye. Enjoy that solo. I will. Thank you. Take care. Man, he's just such a great dude. He is a good dude. Happy to uh, have been able to get him on the show. Thanks, Jason. Hey, uh, let's point everybody to our socials. We are at the show on the go. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can track us down. Shoot us a message. And if you have any questions for the artists that we're speaking to, make sure you send them in because we will ask those questions. He's Scotty Kipfer. She's Amy Oust. Welcome to the show.